Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Access Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original Media Maven herself, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and the MEAs and Media Maven Podcast. I want to welcome everybody to our podcast show today. I'm here with my co-host, Joe Pirate, public advocacy, communications, and sportscaster. Hi, Joe. Hello, Sarah. Hey, listen, we're going to have a great show coming up today, especially with uh, Meredith Poplar, who is really into the health club business. And also, she's, she's an activist for them. And right now, they need an activist. And I think that, you know, you and I both like to work out. And I'm sure Meredith does too. So I think right now we're just going to see how important it is to be an advocate for the health clubs and why people should be going to them. No, I agree. Meredith, welcome to the show. Um, I have a lot of questions because as Joe said, I was a big member of a club. I now have my garage into a gym and I'm a huge believer. The only way to stay healthy is to keep moving and sweating out toxin. And it's such a controversial subject because I am in California and it's been a big issue with some of the bigger clubs and some of the clubs are saying, no, we're going to stay open, but we don't care about the mask. I mean, there is so much controversy and it's not just the club's jokes. I know you're in Arizona and the clubs have been up and down at, you know, I'm talking about trainers. I'm not worried about management level. I'm worried about the livelihood of the trainers who are doing the right thing. And I did go back to my defense to an Equinox. I felt safer there than I would at a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, and then they shut it down again. So because we're on the whole health thing and it's summer, I'm super excited you're here today with us to talk about what are you doing to help bring health and fitness back to the universe in general. And I think Ursha is global, but um, tell us what you're doing. Tell us more about Ursha, what it's about. Let's jump right in to how you're saving lives. Sure. Thank you so much. What a what an energetic introduction. I am so happy to be able to talk to you about this. I have represented URSA, which is the trade association for health and fitness clubs of all types, big clubs, small clubs, studios, boutiques, as well as the suppliers to them. I've represented the industry for 28 years, and I always had to bang people over the head. Advocacy is important. You need to do advocacy. You need PR. And nobody paid attention to me until six months ago. And now all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, we need help. What are you doing for us? So yeah, it's been a really intense six months. Um, here in the U.S., obviously, clubs started closing down in March. But because we are global, we learned a lot. Clubs in Asia started closing in December and January. And then they were already opening come March and April when we were just closing. So we were able to get kind of a future look at what's happening across the globe. We were able to really quickly share best practices of what people learned in Asia with our clubs here in the U.S. We got really good guidance on what they can do safety-wise out to them. We worked with the CDC and the WHO. We worked with the governors across the country. Like, look how, look how proactively safe health clubs are being. Let's get them open. And then as you know, some states opened, some states didn't, some states opened and then closed like California and Arizona where you guys are. Yeah. It, it's been a real trip 
And I'm so happy to hear you say what I know is true, that you felt safer in, in your Equinox gym than you did in any store or restaurant or anywhere else you went. I know that I would eat off the floor of any of my customers right now. You know what? And I'm not just picking on, you know, I mean, I've been a big Equinox fan for a while. We've worked with them and I still work with my trainer at Equinox. He comes to the house and we're good friends, but I, you know, they, they took our, my temperature. It's all, you, you know, contactless log in, make an appointment, unless with a trainer, you take your temperature, go to the front. It's like the little um, valets are now, they just won't touch you. They, they back off. They help you out. There was nobody in the gym, which was really nice. So it probably was that issue. But I got to tell you, I, I mean, there's a lot of space. So, I mean, I get they moved machines out. I know they kind of kept only, what, a quarter, which is the rule now. But yeah. I literally felt safe. And it was like, to me, you got to go work out, keep moving, keep your immune system going. It's the only way to ward off depression, colds, flus, illnesses. It's just, it's a great thing to do. I think the misconception is mask and stuff. And I think, you know, it's interesting that you have this global um, client, I guess, or a pandemic to deal with, to learn from. But, you know, when this thing started here, at least I'm going to speak for California at my club, probably January, February, when things were like getting weird, if that's the right term. There was, you know, and I, people started thinking, oh, COVID's coming, it's coming. It's people just getting, it's, you could, it's in the air. We knew we, something was not right. I literally saw a guy at the club on the bench sweating and then he walked away. I, you don't even do that pre-COVID. I'm like, come on, you have to clean up your sweat and gross germs. And a guy was like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, just, we'll just put a towel down. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Like, and so there was so much unknown. And I feel like this whole thing right now, the best thing about this is people may go back into the gym, healthier, clean up after yourselves, keep your distance. People go to work, they go to the gym. Oh, I have a cold, so I'm going to go sweat it out. But you're really just spreading the germ. So I think there's a controversy of stay healthy, Go to the gym, work out at home, find something. But just because you're in a gym, there are, if they're following the right protocol, you're almost safer than walking to a Trader Joe's or grocery store. And I don't think there's enough voices out there to talk about the safety of working out and being in a gym. Because so many gyms in California were like, screw you. We don't care. We're going to stay open anyways. There's one particular gym I'm not going to mention live that said, oh, we're an open air gym. So we could stay open. You got windows. That doesn't mean you're an open air gym. It just means you have windows open. You have no central air, but because the windows open were open air, they got shut down within a week. And now they're doing a GoFundMe to raise money to re-manage their gym. It's just, it's such a mess out here, but I'm speaking of California. So I'm not really sure what's going on elsewhere. You know? Well, California is tough because you guys have very strict opening phases that have been put into place. And it is it is truly killing the gym industry. I don't mm. know how many will actually be able to open when their their phases are met and they're allowed to do so. They've done everything right. They've moved their equipment outside. They kept to the 25% limitations. So they've really done everything right. And we do have data that shows that when the gyms were open or in some gyms, you know, some states have been open since April, the, the gyms are not responsible for the spread. And the gyms are really good partners with the health 
policy people because where else do you know exactly who your customers are in the gym, how long were they were there for, who else was in the gym with them? So the contact tracing data that can come from gyms is but if you go into the Target or the big box store down the street, nobody knows you're there. Nobody knows how long you were there. Nobody knows what you touched and nobody knows when you left. So there's no contact tracing there versus at a gym where people know everything. And then to the point about the guy sweating, I know that's gross. And one of the good things that will come out of this is that health club members around the world are obviously much more aware that won't be an issue. But even if you got that really awful health club member in your gym, or you just are thinking about it, what other business can you think of that you walk into and say there's a weight bench in front of you and you want to use the weight bench? There's also like a spray cleaner right there and antiseptic wipes right right there. If you don't feel comfortable touching that weight bench, grab the cleaner and clean it yourself. What other place can you do that? You can't walk into, I don't know, again, the big box store and, you know, walk in with a spray bottle and clean everything (laughs) you're going to touch. So I was at a restaurant the other day and the guy, and I've been to a restaurant four times since March and they've all been awful experiences for different reasons. But the other day I was there, the the bus boy picked up my plate from the appetizer and picked up my knife and fork and started to walk away. And then he came back and he's like, oh, you're going to need this knife and fork for your entree. And I am not a germaphobe, but come on, really the lack of awareness there. But if that happens in the gym. The, the spray bottle is right there. Clean it yourself. It's, it's, it's not that the gyms are bad. It's the people are bad. It's not it's the gyms. Bad. It's like we talked about with pets. There's no bad dogs. There's just bad pet owners. There's no bad gyms that they follow protocol. Just for lack of a better word, a bunch of assholes who don't care about other people's health and well-being. Yes, agreed. And you're only as good as your worst employee. But we also know that if you go into the gym business, It's not an easy way to make a living. It truly isn't. You have to work hard. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of, you know, online options. It's not an easy way to make a living. So if you're in the gym business, it's because you do, you do care about the health of your customers, about the health of your community. You love exercise and you want to bring it to the world. Yep. You're only as good as your your front desk person or your cleaning person or your personal trainer, but you really are in the business because you care about exercise and fitness and you believe in it. Yeah. So, so let's sit back a little bit. Talk to us about what is, I know all the gyms have to answer and be part of our show. What is it that you guys do for the health and fitness industry? Sure. What we do, we're the trade association for the whole industry. So in a normal everyday kind of year, We would provide information on how they can run themselves better, you know, programming, cost savings, how to hire a front desk person, just general operational information. We run a convention and trade show every year where we bring the entire industry. So, you know, 12,000 people would have convened in Las Vegas in March to celebrate the global industry. And then in my area, I do public affairs, which consists of lobbying for the industry and image of the industry communication. Normally that's things like making sure states don't tax health club membership dues or try to make health club membership dues and sports league fees be something that you can pay for with pre-tax dollars. That's the kind of lobbying we did in a normal everyday year. 
this year, obviously, there's a lot more because we're lobbying to get clubs open, keep clubs open, get financial relief for the industry, things like that. Let's talk advocacy and public affairs. And I know, you know we're in PR, so we have the different perspective, but Jill's got a lot of public advocacy and public affairs experience on a government level and university. So I want to talk to you guys about, you know, what does that mean? What does that entail? How effective is that? And really, what are the goals at the end of the day when you start going down that path? Great question. Um, Since this crisis began, I have had three all vital PR messages. The first is just that clubs are hurting. Um, You know, they've been closed, some of them for well over 100 days. They need financial relief from Congress. So that's been efforts that we've been doing to Washington, D.C. media. We were really excited right after we ramped up our lobbying and PR efforts. President Trump included gyms in phase one of the country's reopening plan. We're like, Yahoo, major win. Of course, it meant nothing because none of the states listened to him. But, you know, we did get a PR win there. So that was the message at the federal level. And then we have two messages that are more direct to consumers, and that's that clubs are safe and clean and that clubs and exercise is vital. Looking at the opening, uh, Meredith, of, of opening of gyms and everything, and you're advocating for that, where are you getting the most resistance? Is it at the local level? Is it at the state level? Or is it at the federal level? Great question. Um, That's something, you know, America, for good or bad, we are the United States. So decisions like that are 100% at a state level. Mm -hmm. And I know we don't want to talk politics, but it really did come down to red states versus blue states. Red states opened fairly quickly, while blue states, um, you know, New York, New Jersey just opened. Michigan just is opening this week. So it's definitely been a state issue. And what's frustrating is we've had meetings, like let's take New Jersey, for example, because they're one of the states that was really slow to close. We had great meetings. We provided all of our, look, this is the guidance that health clubs in New Jersey are promising that they're following. You can come to these health clubs and see all the safety protocols that they've put into effect. Look, gyms are ready to open. But the governors in most of those blue states were just like, nope, we don't think so. We think, even though there's proof that, I said I wouldn't say COVID, but I'm going to say COVID, (laughs) that COVID will not be transferred through sweat, people, especially, you know, a lot of policymakers, they're not the 20% of the population that visits health clubs. They have this idea in their club of, maybe like one of the sweaty gems from a Rocky movie as that's the only picture they can think of in their, in their head of what a health club looks like versus, you know, what an Equinox looks like or any other of the tens of thousands of clubs out there, big or small, they're, they're beautiful. They're clean. They're well-managed. We just can't get these policymakers past this negative thought that people are breathing in each other's faces and touching each other and, and so far from the case, especially, as you said, if you're in an area where health clubs have been allowed to open, you know, customers are not really that quickly coming back. So the gyms are not crowded. They have capacity limits in place, you know, 25%. So if, you're, if your spin class used to have 100 people in it, it can only have 25 people in it now. It's not crowded. It's safe. 
let me let me follow up with that. Have any of the uh, smaller gyms have they be able to procure the PPP uh, funds for small businesses? Yeah, really good question. Some have the smaller ones in particular, but you know the way the timing worked with the PPP. It, it if you're still closed or if you just closed this week, that money's already gone and it didn't help you now as you're trying to open. So well, some the, well, of, the PPP was back when this happened. Some of these huge publicly traded companies started doing like I know four companies who took in an excess of a hundred million. One took four or five million. They're publicly traded. They didn't need it, but it was like, hey, we answered the five questions. We didn't make the rules. We're not going to pay our bills. We'll survive because we did this and all these small companies didn't. And by the time anybody really realized what is going on, it took them to sink in. This is not just a short-term cold flu season. The money was gone, went to the wrong people. So they reopened it again, just because we, we dealt with PPP. And when they reopened it again, everybody started applying because 78% of the U.S. is small businesses. 70 never got funding. The SBA on the EIDL is saying no to so many people that started, but they're now saying, okay, because we screwed up so bad in March, April, we're now making it harder. Like you're taking a loan, your credit, your financials, they're basing on that and they're not supposed to, but nobody, it's like the wild, wild west. So I would assume the big companies, and it's, it's, it's bad. I guarantee you, I know friends, at Equinox, our friends who own high-end gyms, everybody's hurting. But you got to look at it on a scale. If we're a multi-billion-dollar global health club, you're going to go apply for five, six hundred million dollars in PPP, so you could keep your trainers and staff on board. I mean, it's just it's. There's no talk about advocacy in public affairs. There's been none around this whole pandemic of PPP and how to help businesses stay alive good, bad, or indifferent. Health clubs, restaurants, there's a slew of them that are hurting. We get it. I focus on the health clubs because it's directly related to your health. So I, outside of you guys, I haven't seen any advocacy or any public affairs surrounding anything, but just so much content. I mean, you can't get into public advocacy without getting into politics. I think, Joe, you're going to correct me on that, given what you've been doing. (laughs) No, actually, no, I'll, I'll tell you, everything is surrounding politics. And I think Meredith will, will honestly agree with that. Would you? Oh, it's true. It's true. And, you know, just one point on the PPC, PPP, sorry, you're right. 78% of the health clubs that we work with here in this country and say around the world for the most part are small businesses. So they would have been eligible, but they're the smaller business that was treading water and really didn't know how to get it the first time around. Then the money was gone. And then, you know, all sorts of other problems. And where we, the, the large companies in our industry, weren't able to get the PPP either because there are some coding categories in place. And forgive me, this is not my area, so I'm not even going to say what the codes are. But because the large companies they amalgamated all of the gyms together. And if you have 100 gyms, you have more than 500 employees. If you have more than 500 employees, you are not eligible for the PPP. So we had small clubs yelling at us because they couldn't get money. And then we had these larger club companies that looked 
great on paper, they couldn't get it either. So the whole industry has really been left out cold. And that's been our message to Congress. Hey, the PPP was great for those who could get it, but none of us got it. Right. Speaking for Arizona, I don't know if you have heard anything about what the governor here did, and I'm not going to pass judgment on it, but just to say that, you know, in his reopening plan, the bars and fitness centers were the ones that were closed. I don't know if you heard about that, but you had local owners who were, who were going after the governor quite publicly on that. When they, do they come to you and they ask you for help on, you know, okay, who do I talk to in the media? Who do I talk to at the state level on that? Yes, we work with all the, they're most states right now, because it's, as I mentioned earlier, none of them believed in advocacy six months ago. And now all of a sudden they all think that they're advocacy experts. So they, a lot of the states have formed alliances where they're advocating for themselves. Many of them, we have lobbyists across the country, but they also hired their own lobbyists. And they've been screaming at me on a regular basis, why aren't you doing more talking to my local media station? And I have to say, I'm in Boston. I can talk to the local (laughs) media here and I can talk to the local and I can talk to national media, which I do all day long. Here's the material. Here's how you call your local TV station or your local newspaper. I will help you. I will help you write the letter to the editor. I will do whatever you need, but it has to come from them. And so, yes, we work with active, angry health club owners all over the country on just that kind of thing. And then why not, why not, sorry, Joe, why not go to your congressman? Because I was told by SBA, go to your local congressman. They're the ones that are now, like you said, they haven't really, they've been doing their job political or not, but now they're getting slammed because they're working from home and everybody who's a business owner, whatever, your local congressman is there to fight for his constituents. So why, and we're going to get a congressman or two on our podcast, but why are they not stepping into the advocacy role a little more aggressively? You know, that's one of the things that we do suggest and we actually run online campaigns. Like if we think there's a congressman and there actually was in New York, a couple congressmen got together and they were the local state congressmen, they got together and they did write a bill to try to get clubs in New York to open. Clubs in New York then did open a week later. We'll never know if the writing of that bill is what made Cuomo open gyms. We will talk to anyone and everyone that we think can influence the the, the decision. And if that's, we've had meetings with U.S. representatives, U.S. senators, state representatives, state senators, we are truly meeting with anyone we think that can move the ball. And in California, there is a California Fitness Alliance. They just started, you know, probably April or May. They have been incredibly active, um, really good at getting um, media attention. And we're working very closely with them. And it, But it's just really, it's throwing a lot against the wall and seeing if anything sticks. Yeah. Interesting. What points are the media really hitting on for you guys? I mean, you're out there putting the message out, but which one are they passing along you think the most? Oh gosh, I wish I had a happy answer for this, but you know that it's bad news that sells and bad news creates more bad news. So I spend a lot of my time dispelling misconceptions about 
the the there's the health and safety of the industry mm-hmm. um, the the media talking points that have actually succeeded well we just did a study with an industry research firm where we got just about 50 million health club check-ins over a six-week period from all the clubs that are open that were participating. It's about 3,000 clubs, 50 million health club check-ins, and tracked any visit to virus reporting that came out of that. And it was 0.002% of the 50 million people that checked into a health club eventually came up COVID positive. Now, it doesn't mean that they caught the disease in the club, but that just shows how safe the clubs are. 0.002 is much safer than the general public uh, and exposure rates. So that has been a really successful talking point. It gets poked holes at because it's it's data generated from the industry. So Ursa puts this out and they're like, well, yeah, you're the industry trade association. Of course, you're speaking well about the industry. But you know this this whole virus is too new. It's not like there's going to be peer re- peer reviewed studies on something that you know clubs have only been open for a couple of months. We're doing the best we can. This is the data that we have, and it's verified. Right now, are you guys just in case there is a second wave? Are you getting your your members ready for how to attack this if it does come? Oh gosh, I hope not. But yes, yes, they. But- <laughs> I, I I hope not to. I really do, but I'm just I'm one of those pessimists to say, you know what? Don't ever say what's the worst case scenario because you'll oh, definitely find out what the worst case out. scenario is. <laughs> yes, I believe we have a very well prepared clientele. Um right. and again, we will keep we did that six weeks of virus to visit ratio tracking. So we would have a timestamp on data, but we can continue to collect a bit more visits. I mean, if we wanted to, there'd probably be a hundred million visits that we could collect on now. And we can keep showing that the data on health club use is safe. If all of a sudden there is a spike and it really is affecting the, and let me qualify that. We can say that the data is safe when the clubs are doing the appropriate safety protocols, mm-hmm. exactly. social distance, they've cleaned, they've fixed their air control systems, they're requiring masks. When they're doing everything correct, we can confirm that the clubs are safe. We can't speak to the clubs that are not following the rules. Can right. you use this data? So I know we're closed and I know some states have reopened. We haven't reopened. I'm assuming maybe October. No, but there's been no, nobody's really thinking about when they're going to reopen. If, but then if like Joe said, if we get shut down again, do you think the data you have in analytics will help qualify it to keep them so they don't get shut down again or they can open earlier? Or do you think that's again, goes back to politically to a federal local level? It's different, definitely political. Like we're worried now, as you said, California's closed for the most part. And there, the, um, Opening phases for gyms in California are so far backwards compared to every other state. And we are worried that if governors in other blue states start to see a spike, even if we can confirm that the spike is not coming from health clubs, we are worried that those other blue state governors 
will follow the California opening phase restrictions, which would be devastating to not only the industry, but there are tens of thousands, millions of people that don't have other options on how to exercise. I know parts of California are 110 degrees. You can't go for a run, or at least I know I can't go for a run. There are people that need their health clubs and it will be a really sad situation. One of the things we've seen, and this is kind of a two-part question, is one of the things we've seen is the virtual, being on tech, people are doing Zoom calls. I know a lot of trainers that are doing it, you know, via Zoom, they're going to their house. There is so much, I mean, this is a kind of a double-edged sword. I love being at the gym, but at the same time, I'm now adapting to such a good at-home workout with the treadmill, the garage, and all this stuff that we put together that I don't want to go back into a gym. I'm like, God, it's cheaper. I have all this equipment at home, but I feel like there's so much you can do at home and it's just finding the right trainer and knowing how to do it. So a lot of people aren't going back to the gym because they put so much money into investing in home gyms. They love it. It's calmer. It's easier. Now, if if they need a trainer, trainers will go to them. So, but I see if you're like in an area where you don't have the means and you don't know what to do, you know, I'm a big advocate. You don't know how I'm going to be shut down for. Go online, get a trainer, do a virtual, figure out what to do, what you could do. But I do get there's some people who all about, they need to physically be inside a gym. So I'm kind of torn on that. So I kind of wanted your opinion on that. My second question, you and Joe have kind of talked about the splitting the line of you know the blue states, the red states. I mean, not to go politics on this, but let's just be honest here. Red states, blue states, conservative, non-conservative. Are you guys seeing, you keep saying blue states, is this just because we're more conservative? They're more, hey, a little more paranoid, a little more, you know, hey, let's protect our people. Or is it just the red states, let's go, let's get back, let's go back to work, do with that later. Um, we're on the line here with on this podcast now between red and blue. And the reason why I'm asking this question, because you got to deal with this, Meredith. And I know Joe is has an opinion on the red and the blue because he's straddling the lines being in Arizona. So let's just, let's just go for the politics, guys. All right. Well, I'm going to answer the first question first, because that's an easier one. <laughs> online, all the online and all the home fit- fitness options are wonderful, especially when you don't have other options. Our our goal, Ursa's goal, our health club members' goal is to help people be more happy and more healthy through physical activity. So however they get it, that's great. And up until this period, we never saw home fitness as competition for health club membership or health club visits. It's normally the people that own a health, uh, own a Peloton that also have a gym membership. Yeah. So we're not worried about that kind of competition. Yes, there are going to be some people that were health club members that will never go to the health club again, and they shouldn't. My dad, he used to go to the health club. He's 81 and, and is a cancer survivor. He should never go to a health club again, 100%. But for most people, you're never going to replace that sense of camaraderie and the inspiration and that, you know, the place where everybody knows your name, the that community, that yeah. when you go community. to the gym. And I have seen some amazing home gyms, absolutely the most amazing home gyms in the world. It looks Other- like you have one too. <laughs> That's okay. I, 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 it, but it's not inspiring to be here. Yeah. It's not inspiring. 
inspiring. You go to the gym, you can do something different every time you're there. You, mm-hmm. I want to do the treadmill today. I want to do Zumba tomorrow, whatever the case may be. Here, I have a TV and, you know, this. I, I'm not even allowed to touch the weights. That's my husband's stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. Now we know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm short term. Yes, I think we will lose customers yeah. to all of the online options and home gym options. Long term, the health clubs that know what they're doing will figure out how to straddle that line and continue to provide online services as well as the in-club experience. Yeah. And being in Massachusetts, I mean, you guys, like you said, you guys are just opening now. Uh, Governor Baker, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys have, have opened now. And I know that Maine isn't even open yet. Maine and is open, but it was one of the slower. It was one of the right. slower states. Okay. Now you're talking international health. I mean, are you guys advocating in like Britain, France, Germany, places like that? Great question. Um, we are a U.S. based association, so we cannot lobby outside okay. of the U.S., but we have global federation partners. We've been meeting since February once a week with our federation partners in the U.K. and Europe and Asia and Australia and New Zealand, et cetera, et cetera. So we work with our global partners to get best practices out, get advocating or advocacy plans out. So we Mm -hmm. work as a global association. We can only be the primary association in the U.S., but then we're a partner to all the others overseas. Okay. Then that follows this question. When you take a look at what New Zealand did and South Korea, what they did, do you guys bring those ideas to the United States and to other places that you advocate for? Definitely. Definitely. We, we hundred percent share what works well, what we think might have worked well and then turns out didn't work well. We are trying to be as open as possible in terms of sharing. And it's funny because the international manager, she is on the phone at such odd hours because we are working with all these people all over the world. Do I don't want to be accused of of not answering We had this really great interview earlier with this gentleman, Ralph Simon, who was the global innovator to all things tech and making a difference in the world. And we kind of pivoted back and forth. And I just feel like, you know, is this my pain? I don't even know if it's my pain or just what I'm thinking from all these podcast interviews and talking to so many people is, are we truly running things, blanket, very generality, based on what's best for the people? Or are we really making decisions run this based on politics? And, and, and I know there's red states, there's blue states, there's people who are just, just do what's best and healthy. We don't care. But I feel like every time we talk to somebody, each state's opening early, shutting down early, later, I just feel like it's based on political views, based on if it's a red or blue state. But I don't know if that's accurate. It's not my opinion. It's just something that I feel like is a topic of discussion that needs some clarity. So here's my thought on it. And, you know, as we said earlier, everything's a little bit political right now, but I don't think it's so much political as, okay, my CEO lives in Texas. He came to Boston to do a face-to-face meeting with all of us in the Boston office last week. He had no idea the problem that coming from Texas to Massachusetts was going to create because in Texas, 
even though the COVID rates are pretty high there, they never stopped going out to eat. They, they still hug friends when they see them. They still shake hands. They live life a little bit more normally. And he's told me that, you know, the Texans are feel, okay, it's our personal responsibility to take care of ourselves. It's not the state's responsibility. We're adults. We'll, we'll, do it. And, you know, some do, some don't. We already talked about bad members versus good members. He comes to Massachusetts and we're like, oh my God, we haven't opened the office in six months. And to open the office, we're going to have to do all these protocols. And no, you're not allowed to speak to all 40 of us at once. We're going to have to split the time. So you can speak to 20 people at once and 20 people at once, because we're not allowed to have all these people in the office at the same time. And don't even think of shaking hands or having small group meetings. And He was just like, I had no idea there was such a difference. And again, that's Massachusetts where we just have rules in place that are a little bit more, let the government take care of things. So it's, it's saying blue state and red state, that's an easy way to qualify it, but there's more, there's more nuance to it than that. Yeah. I think that when we're talking about local uh, control, like uh, with the governor or with the city councils or the counties, and this is my thought about this, is that I don't think they're out there to say to hell with everybody, you know, let, let them die, you know, or something along those lines. I don't think they're like that. I just think that they look at it as, as an issue of, well, you know what? It, I think it's going to protect people if we close things down, or I think it's going to be a personal issue, but I just, I don't see any malice there. No, there, there can't be. There's human lives at stake. I think everybody needs to focus on how to keep everybody as safe and healthy as they can. And I think it's a very hard time for like, I, you know, our governor, I, I do feel for um, Newsom and everything and Garcetti, because how do you keep everybody safe without bankrupting your state? I want to keep everybody safe, but I also want to let you go back to work safely. And I just think it's such a hard time to be in a role to how, where, where is that line? You keep moving it back. You can't make everybody happy. But then the day, if we're all healthy, we all wear masks, we all do what we need to do. We get back to work sooner. And if you do need to go back to work, save jobs, gym, stay safe, follow the right protocol, be smarter than the virus. And I just feel like it's such a, neutral ground that everybody should be on right now. But again, you know, I'm not a governor, mayor, politician, so everybody has an opinion, you know? True. But, okay, so Mary, that was so good. What a question for you. Given all of this, given everything you're doing, you're doing a tremendous job advocating for health and a big industry that we thrive and survive on, stay healthy every day. It's so impressive. Are you guys writing a rule book? Like, is there a playbook coming out so, I mean, everybody's saying it's not the first pandemic. It's not going to be the last. We're getting more and more into travel, exotic places, eating things that we should. I mean, we are now, it, they're now saying from science that the pandemics are going to become more prevalent because we're just invading more of our world and stuff. Are you guys putting a playbook together? So when the next one comes around, you'll know exactly how to get on top of it and stay ahead of it better than the one we just um, are still living in. The great question. Um, we will always learn from this and take what we learned from it and 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 bring it forward. You know, we had a playbook when H1N1 was mm-hmm. the big pandemic. And so that's the document that we took and quickly updated it as one of our first 
resources when COVID became the issue. So yes, um, this, this crisis is awful and people will be devastated from this for a very long time, but there are some very good things that came out of it. We learned stuff. Health clubs, when all is said and done, will be better on the other side. Mm -hmm. As an industry, we have never worked more closely together. And I've been working in this industry for 28 years. We now, I'm thrilled. They all now understand what PR and advocacy and lobbying mean. So some really good things came out of it. And yes, we will take what we've learned and run with it. Yeah, You know how like when you go to Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, wherever, Target, and they have those clear plexiglass things now? They're all over. I mean, I'm sure they're in Boston and Arizona. They're everywhere. I just mm-hmm. feel like when this whole thing's over, don't take them down. That's just for our health and longevity in general. There's nothing wrong with this, um, establishing new safe and healthy rules beyond the pandemic to keep people at distance during the worst of cold and flu seasons and whatever is floating around out there. Agreed. I'll say I don't like going to bars where every two bar stools there's plexiglass. But oh, okay. otherwise, otherwise, I agree with that. Anything that you can do to keep, especially frontline workers, Wait, anything. Yeah, bars open. Not yeah, in my state. Open. Not in my state, but I did go to a bar in a different state that was open at the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> are they Jill? Are there plexiglass in between everything? And yes. Easy? Yes. The plexiglass industry is one of the industries that did really well this year. <laughs> that and Zoom. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to call it a wrap on this one, guys. Um, Meredith, thank you so much for the time on this. How can everybody reach out to you or if you're a health or a club member or just a consumer with questions? Where can we direct everybody? Thank you. The website for URSA is ihrsa.org. We have plenty of information there, whether you are in the industry or we have plenty of information on how safe and healthy clubs are if you're not in the industry. And my email address, my name is Meredith Poplar. So my email address is M-P-O-P-P-L-E-R at IHRSA.org. And I am also incredibly active on all things fitness on LinkedIn. Okay. So guys, so Meredith, thank you for your time. This is Sarah Miller with Access Entertainment signing off with my co-host, Joe Pirates. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, go to MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.